<laughs> well, good morning, church. This is your captain speaking. We are about to push back on our journey to the Trust Arena for New Zealand and Beyond 18. Please make sure your seat belts are securely fastened. We anticipate there will be some significant turbulence in the spirit realm. All prophetic forecasts indicate there will suddenly come a rushing mighty wind and some fire. But do not be alarmed, at no point will you be in danger, but you will experience a life-changing encounter with God that will change your life forever. As your captain, I want everyone aboard and to catch this flight. Not only do I want you on board, but this nation needs you to be on board. Acts 2 says, when they were all in one place, in one heart, in one accord, suddenly there was an outbreak of the Holy Spirit. I encourage you, don't let anything get in your way of being on board. God has called us as a church to host New Zealand and beyond, and together we can turn this nation to Jesus. If you can't make all the conference, please do everything you can to get along to the nights and at least be a part of what God is doing. And please pray for Christchurch, which starts tomorrow. Both Christchurch and Auckland will be bigger and better than ever before. This is your captain signing off. Please give it up for my co-pilots. If you do need sponsorship for this conference, uh, please go to the registration desk that is available for you today. Our choir is tracking towards their number of 400. And so if you still want to be a part of the choir, please uh, sign up in the registration, in the information desk or in the uh, foyer this morning. The nights, as you notice, are just $10 per night. So why don't you see who you can bring along, come along and bring family, friends, bring saved, bring, un uh, bring, saved, bring unsaved, bring whoever you can. And let's believe God for a great time. Hey, this morning we are live to all our campuses, so we do want to welcome right now Church Unlimited in Kaitaia, Whangarei City, Rotorua, and Sydney. Let's welcome them on board. We trust you've all got your tickets to the flight to the Trust Arena. Well, our speaker this morning comes to us from well, initially from Northern Ireland, but now based in the United States of America and uh, pastoring a church there that was once led and founded, I think, by John Wimber that headed up the Vineyard Movement. But he's going to put his own stamp on that church, and one day it'll be the church led by our guest speaker this morning. And one of the hallmarks of his ministry is seeing uh, the power of God demonstrated and manifested, and he's seen it out on the streets in particular, where we know that's where the power is needed the most. They've seen thousands literally saved on the streets and multitudes added to the church. We are really honored 
to have our guest speaker uh, fly in uh, with his daughter, Sophie, from the United States, just arrived yesterday. And uh, I know they're going to be a great blessing to us, not only today, this morning, and again tonight, but also throughout the conferences in Christchurch and in Auckland. Would you please stand to your feet? And let's welcome to our platform this morning, Alan Scott, to share what God has laid upon his heart. Thank you. So kind of you. Please do feel free to grab a seat. It's like being on New Zealand Air all over again. It's amazing. It's amazing. That has to be like the best airline in the world. In fact, it is, right? Uh, but you ran a close second, Pastor Tech. That was, that was just amazing. What an honor to be here. Wow, what about that choir? Was that amazing? People with, who are happy to be in God's house. What a, who knew? Just amazing. Just amazing. Quite often, as Pastor Tack mentioned, we, we've just been in Northern Ireland, and uh, often the Irish are known all over the world for partying. They love to party. They love to have fun. They love joy, except sometimes when they come to church. When they come, they come to church, they kind of fold their arms like this. Uh, but I think there's a little bit of the party still in them, which is how I think Irish dance evolved. I think they were at church, and the party kept kind of... <laughs> kept escaping out of their legs, and it's just good to be in a place that adores Jesus, that is obsessed with Jesus, that is just besotted with who He is, His nature, His character, His kingdom, His order, His rule, and His favor. It's just wonderful to be with you. Thank you so much for hosting us. We are super excited, could not be more excited to be at New Zealand and beyond and to see the story that God is inscribing into your nation in these days. And uh, we're going to look at the Bible today. If you have a Bible with you, Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to journey. While you're turning there, just say, there has never been a better time to be the church. There's never been a better time to be the hope of the world. Never been a better time to be tellers of a different story. Never been a better time to be brokers of a better future. These are great days to be the church. God is doing something remarkable in the face of the earth. We have just spent probably the last 20 years in the north part of Northern Ireland, very beautiful, uh, similar to New Zealand in terms of climate. Thank you for laying on Irish weather today. That was just above and beyond. You guys are so generous, so hospitable that you'd even bring in the rain just for us. We're, we're thrilled. But we spent 20 years there and uh, really living the dream on the, the Atlantic coast, overlooking the hills of Donegal, which has just been voted the number one place to visit by National Geographic magazine. I've been to Donegal. It's not that good. It is good. It's not that good. New Zealand is definitely uh, prettier. But it's, so it's a stunning place to live. And then there's, as you go around a coastline, there's beautiful golf courses. There's Dunluce Castle, which for those of you who are um, readers of C.S. Lewis or familiar with the Narnia Chronicles, that's the inspiration behind Cape Paravel. So it's a stunning location. You continue around the coast. You come to um, the Jewel in the Crown, which is the Giant's Causeway. Beautiful geological phenomena of hexagonal rocks. Just absolutely stunning. And that's where we've been for the last 20 years, just pursuing Jesus, trying to discover his heart, figure out what he was doing, and seeing him do the most outrageous things there, watching as Pastor Tack mentioned, just thousands of people fall in love with him and come to faith for the first time. And uh, seeing the kingdom of God break in. 
And then a year and a half ago, he called us to Orange County, California, and um, that's a different kind of place entirely. <laughs> it's, it's not quite as picturesque, but uh, we're slowly adjusting and getting used to it and finding our tribe and our voice in that location. And over the last few weeks, we've been there eight weeks, so all new to us, eight weeks in this new church and figuring it out. And it is a church with a remarkable story. Um, but we want to see God break in and write a story today. And so uh, just a couple of stories in that, and then I'll launch into what we want to cover today. But uh, one of the things that we're really, really leaning into is just seeing God healing. We love it when God shows up and heals broken minds and broken families and broken businesses. But we love it when he heals broken bodies too. And uh, we had a, a gentleman a few weeks ago in one of our services who uh, one of his nerve endings was severed, which means he had no feeling in two of his fingers. And then right there in the service, sensation was restored, and he could move it for the first time in years. Another man who was paralyzed, um, again, sensation returning to his body. And then last week, we had a gentleman that hadn't been able to walk since November take first steps in the service. So the Lord is just doing some pretty neat things, just what Jesus does, right? He's so good at that. And uh, our whole thing that we're trying to do there and the message that I want to bring to you today is releasing an unstoppable church, getting the church moving again. I love your name. What a name for a church. Church Unlimited. Church Unlimited. And uh, so we're going to look at how Jesus releases an unstoppable church. And today it probably won't be exegetically exact, but I hope it'll prophetically sound like who you are. I've tried to listen to Jesus and what he's speaking over your nation, but also over your house. So hopefully some of that will resonate with you today. Look, chapter 10. After this, uh, this, we could title this, Jesus Sends Out the 72, or you could call it the movement of the church. This is the moment where Jesus begins to send out his church into the cities and into the villages. It says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others. He sent them out two by two ahead of him. Now, he sent them out two by two, not because he was worried, right? This wasn't like a character accountability moment. He wasn't saying to Peter, Peter, would you go with Thomas? We all know he's prone to doubt, and it would be good if you covered them in that. That's not what he's doing here. He wasn't saying to John, John, would you go with Judas? We all know he's a bit untrustworthy. Would you cover him there? He sent them out two by two because in Hebraic thinking, two was the number of witness, and they were about to cease things that were so remarkable, so impossible that Jesus was saying, make sure you take a witness because when the kingdom breaks in, no one will believe you saw what you saw unless you have someone with you, right? It's like getting a hole-in-one at golf when you're playing yourself, right? You get back, you get a hole-in-one, everybody's like, it didn't happen. That's kind of what this is. Jesus is saying, make sure you take someone with you because they'll never believe what it is. And uh, these are days where Jesus is sending his church, New Zealand and beyond, into the regions of the earth. These are days of acceleration. I see this house as an apostolic influence growing and spreading its influence into the region. The Lord opening doors in nations for you as a community as he begins to catalyze and catapult you into different spheres of operation, but also into different communities in the face of the earth. And what you've done in New Zealand, the Lord is going to plant elsewhere in other nations as he continues to send out his church. So he sends them out, and he sends them out in the power of the Holy Spirit into the cities. It says that he sent them, verse 1, to every town and place where he was about to go. Notice that the move of the church happened first, and then the movement of Jesus. He said, you go here first, and then I'll follow you. 
I'm coming, you show up first, and when you show up in the city, I'm going to show up in the city. When you show up in the village, I'm going to come after that behind you and affirm and confirm what it is that I'm doing. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. It always strikes me that Jesus never thought it would be difficult to see cities changed. Jesus, it never once crossed his mind that the church would have difficulty bringing life to the city. He fully anticipated, fully expected that his church, indwelled by his spirit, would be able to bring life to the earth. And uh, he never anticipated difficulty, but everywhere we travel, we see the church wondering if it's even possible for a city to alter. I remember we had a, a group of folks in Colesburg, South Africa, and the word around the city was that Colesburg was a hard-to-reach community. It was hard to reach that place. And a couple of our guys, they were doing a conference, and they did what they always do. They went into the town center, and they erected a big banner. It just says healing. So they erected this big banner, and they put out about a dozen chairs well, they get there at 9 a.m., and the chairs begin to fill, and they just begin praying with people, and Jesus does what he alone can do. Healing's breaking out. And as they're ministering to people, there's a couple of police officers watching them. So the police officers come to them, and they say, hey, there's a local school in the area, and the kids there are engaged in occultic activity. We don't have power to change that, but we think that you might. Would you mind coming with us to the school? Well, what are you going to do when the police say, would you come with us? <laughs> You're going to go. And so they go with the police. They go to the local schools, about 400 kids there. And so they tell them who they are. And then they say, we're here to pray with people today who would like prayer. And every hand in the school goes up. Wow. We used to say at this point, I used to say, well, that's Africa. Until two years ago in Northern Ireland, we had a whole school give their life to Jesus, wow. teachers and all. Just beautiful. Different story for a different day. Uh, but so all the hands go up in the school and they pray. There's too many kids for them to pray individually, so they pray collectively for them. And then the police say to them, look, would you mind coming with us to the station? <laughs> what are you going to do, right? You're going to go. So they go to the police station. They pray there for every officer in the station, including the chief of police. And the rumor is that Colesburg isn't that hard to reach after all. It's just really hard to reach when the church stays in the building. And every city, every city is hard to reach when the church stays in the building. But when we move beyond the building, we discover that the revival we've been praying for in the church is breaking out in the city and God is moving. He's already moving in front of us and we tip into what is happening. And so Jesus sends them out to bring life. And as we move into our community, he increases our authority. We're going to skip forward to verse 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Jesus replied, while you were ministering, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. It's like um, it's just pregnant in this house in these days, an upsurge in spiritual power, an increase in your capacity for deliverance and breaking demonic strongholds. It's written into your DNA as a community, and the Lord is about to release that and quicken that in these days. You're going to see that just accelerate yeah. in that. So here's the first thing that I wanted to say today, and uh, it might take us about three hours to get through all 25 points, but the first point, that's a joke. The first point is this, the Church Unlimited is a church with unusual power. Yeah. Wow. 
and the unstoppable church has unusual power. And they begin to see it on the streets of their community and in their city. God's power rests upon us so that we can release our city. There's nothing more fun. The only more thing more fun than gathering in church and doing what we just did is carrying the kingdom into our city and watching it happen there. Watching it happen in supermarkets and in street corners and seeing God's goodness break in there. His power rests on us so that we can not have better services, but bring life to broken humanity. That's what we want to do, isn't it? We want to bring life to hurting hearts, to hurting people, wherever we go. And so, um, as I work through this with you this morning, typically, if I was in a Pentecostal church, I would have just spent the rest of the service on this. If I wasn't in a Pentecostal church, I would ignore this passage altogether and move to the next part of Luke's gospel, which is in Luke 10, verses 25. So Luke deliberately positions these back to back because I think he wants to teach us the kind of church that's unlimited in what it brings to the city. The first part of it is a church of unusual power. And then the next part is the story of the Good Samaritan. Uh, Anybody heard this story? Isn't it? It's just one of Jesus' most famous stories. And uh, Luke has deliberately positioned it so that we're thinking about a church with power. And then the next story is this story of humanity that's broken. Humanity that's been robbed of its dignity. Humanity that's been robbed of its resources. Humanity robbed of family or finance. Humanity that's kind of been beaten up and broken and on the street. They've been robbed in their relationships and in their purpose. And honestly, today we can't afford any longer to separate God's great power from broken culture. We've got to figure out how do we engage with the brokenness and the culture around us. So I won't document the story today. I may touch on it a little Um, But just to say that the church unlimited and the church unstoppable is a church that engages with culture. You do know that when it comes to the city, we are the contaminators. That what's on us gets on them. That that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That God's power indwells us. And so when we show up in our city, it has a way of spilling out into the city. And uh, if we have, and we do, if we have what we say we have in the supernatural, then you are, and we are, the kind of people who can begin bringing solutions to our whole city. The same God who heals broken bodies can heal broken economies. The same God who shows up in power to bring deliverance to an individual can show up in power and bring abundance to an institution. It's the same power. It's the same God. It's the same release. And, uh, What we want to see brought together in these days in an unlimited, unstoppable church is spiritual power and social justice. Together, together, the two always together, moving in the heart of God. The unstoppable church doesn't just take dominion, it reveals compassion. But it doesn't just release compassion, it also takes dominion. It's the two together, right? It's the two together. And I sense that God is going to unlock in this church Uh, You're going to be a church that meets the needs of the city, but also fuels the dreams of the city. You're going to be both a compassionate influence in your city and a creative influence in your city. That God is going to press upon you ways of operating with full compassion and fresh capacity. New uh, entrepreneurs, new business leaders, church planting and business planting. I see an acceleration in church planting. You may call it campuses or different things in that. You're going to see that in the days ahead. But also business 
planting because communities need churches and thriving businesses. If there's not thriving businesses in communities, people suffer too much, and we need both operating together. There's a wealth creation accompanying the wellspring of compassion. Did you know that in this parable, the Samaritan in all likelihood was a business person? And it's just really important that he had enough money to pay for the inn. It's not enough just to bandage the wounds. You've got to have the resource to house the people. Yeah. You guys doing okay? Not, not enough to pray for needs in a service when there's a house in crisis in the city. We want to be church unstoppable, church unlimited that begins to say, what is the housing crisis in our city and how do we bring relief to that using the entrepreneurial resources that God puts in our hearts and our hands? We want to lay hands on people. I don't know if you guys do this. We want to lay hands on people and watch them fall over and have all the fun of the fair with that. But then, but then we also want to lay hands to projects and watch them come alive for the glory of God in the heart of the city. We want to do both and, right, always, always together working together in these things. There was a community called Quakers. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Did they, were they in New Zealand? Um, they were called Quakers because when the power of God showed up, they would shake a little. And so they became known as Quakers. And uh, actually, they became known as Holy Rollers. It's a little odd, but sometimes the power of God would show up and they would roll from one place, just roll, 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 all the way over to another. And that would have been odd behavior, except when they got up, they planted banks like Barclays Bank. And when they got up, they created this fabulous thing, and I may be lost here for the rest of the service. They created Cadbury's chocolate. (laughs) You're like, well, I'm good. If someone wants to roll over in church, I'm good with that. Just get up and create a bank in Cadbury's chocolate. It's all good. It's all good. We want the power of God resting on us, but then we want to be entrepreneurial, engaged with our culture, right? God resting on us to bring life, and that's what's happened here. And may God do that with you. May He give you policymakers and governmental leaders, because sooner or later, it's not enough to bandage the guy in the road. Sooner or later, somebody has to think, why do people keep getting robbed in this road? What is it about this road that everyone who comes here is in danger of being robbed? Why don't we fix the road? Uh, Two ways to read this passage. One, you can read it as an individual helping your neighbor and saying, I got to do something for people in need. That's brilliant. But those who think differently and expansively think, I want to make sure in my town there's no no no-go areas. There's nowhere that's off limits to anyone. I want to create places and policies where people are safe on the streets. It's both together. And uh, it's everyday ordinary people who are doing this, everyday ordinary professions. We're going to talk about this a little in the New Zealand and Beyond Conference. We're going to talk about how God takes our everyday ordinary life as an offering, how He takes engineering and accountancy and hairdressing and taxi driving and all of that, and how all of that is part of what He uses to bring life to culture and the city. We're going to do that together. Um, and just explore and experiment with that. It's time for the church to become the unstoppable influence. Uh, can I show you, um, over the years, churches have typically gathered in preferences. So at home in, in Northern Ireland, we got to see just the most remarkable things. You know, we would see um, the preferences mapped out. And I want to show you this as four corners today in my hope that it will be memorable for you. Uh, some churches are just about Scripture. And don't you love the Scripture? 
Isn't this book life in every way? Doesn't he meet us again and again in it and reveal his heart and his goodness? I wouldn't know who Jesus was except he revealed himself in this book. And I love the scripture. And I love churches that are passionate proclaimers of scripture who engage with the text and are robust. I know that's this house. They engage in that. And some churches, they're all about scripture and they're just about the book. And then there's other churches in this corner here. And these are salvation churches. You know, they're all about getting people saved. And don't you love seeing people come to faith? Isn't that amazing when you see thousands of people, hundreds of people, dozens of people coming to faith? I, I love that. It's so wonderful. But sometimes these two folks don't get along. And, and these guys are saying to these guys, you know what? How do you know they're really saved? And is it once saved, always saved? And they're asking this, and, and these guys are saying, yeah, it's good that you know the Bible, but really you should introduce people to its author. Right? And there's, they're like, they're not always together. And then there's another corner over here that's kind of like the uh, supernatural signs and wonders corner. And don't you love signs and wonders? We were made to be people of curious wonder. We're made to see God do things that we never imagined. I love that. I love that God is almighty. But sometimes these guys don't get on, do they? These, um, the Bible people are saying to these guys over here, falling on the floor, where's that in the Bible? Where's these things in the Bible? And, and these guys are saying, hey, we, we, we love that you love the Bible, but really, um, you really should have encountered. It was designed to encounter God. And they're saying to the salvation guys, it's good that people are coming to faith, but did you know there's this secondary experience where the Holy Spirit comes suddenly and fills you? Whoa! Some of them are a bit, a bit more, whew, a bit more passionate. And these guys are looking at them and they're saying, you know what, we love that there's power in what you do, but no one's coming to faith. It's like continual conference with you people. What are you doing? <laughs> right? What are you doing? And in this corner is the social justice people. And these guys, don't you love social justice? Don't you love that God is for the poor? Isn't it? And they're saying to these guys, you're lying on the floor and people are dying. These people are really intense, like really intense. They're angry at everybody. People are dying. And you, you people, it's not enough that we see people come to faith. We need to feed their stomachs. People are hungry. And they, they're all at it with one another. And in the middle of it all stands Jesus. And it's all together in him. He is the living word. He is the savior of the world. He is God almighty in his power. And he is full of justice and mercy. And it's time for what God has joined together to come together. And no longer be separated into preferences, but be part of his presence. And I believe that's the kind of house that you are. I believe you're going to see spiritual power like never before. I truly do believe that. Yeah. And I believe that you're going to walk in social justice in a fresh way. Yeah. But as a foundation to who you are as a house that I felt the Lord just say, hey, make sure you hit this when you're with them. And it's the last part of the chapter. And it's so funny to me that I've looked at this chapter for, I've been a believer now for over 30 years. And uh, I've never seen this chapter this way. But it's funny to me that when I've preached that, I've preached different sections of it. But the last part of the chapter is in verses 38 to 41. 
So you've got a church filled with power. You've got a church caring for the poor. And then we come to verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She's the sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed and indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. What I love about what Jesus told me, I think, about your house is this, that you don't just have apostolic influence, but you, you have absolute intimacy. That there's an intimacy with him that he loves about your community. I want to make sure I get this right, that you're not just chasing a cause, that you're not just people who are after a cause in the earth, but that you're truly connected with Christ, that you're happy to sit at his feet, that that's your favorite place to be, that it's your abandonment to him that fuels your engagement in the city. That it's, you're not after making a name. Um, you're not trying to make Jesus famous. You already know he is famous. Uh, there's nobody more famous than Jesus. Everybody's heard of him. Uh, we don't need to make him famous. You're not even trying to do that. You're just an adoration of who he is. He has become your magnificent, beautiful obsession. And that obsession is what fuels your compassion. That there's this devotion that's a foundation of who you are as a house. And it's out of that place, it's out of that place that the wellspring of compassion and the wealth creation and the power in the streets flows together. That the Lord has that at the heart of who you are as a community. That this is a house of prayer and praise. And my goodness, are you ever, are you ever a house of prayer and praise? Just utterly, utterly devoted to Him. Felton say that you have the attention of God and it will not be taken from you. I feel like there's a new journey ahead of you. I feel like the Lord is inscribing a fresh story in who you are. There's a creativity that he's unearthing among you. There's a fresh capacity that he's unlocking. Um, But you don't have to fear that this direction is different than your foundation. Your foundation is ever only Jesus. Your foundation is ever only engagement with him. But it's going to look a little bit different as you engage with other nations that the Lord is beginning to lay on your heart and specifically speak over your house. That these are days not only of kingdom advancement but alignment. Where things that have just been disparate are brought together. Spiritual power, social justice, and spiritual formation. So I want to close, conclude this with this text here. It's from Micah chapter 2. It says this. The one who breaks open the way will go up before them. The one who breaks open the way will go up before them. The Lord is about to break open the way for you. Uh, He doesn't just want to break into your life. He wants to break out of your life. 
And he's about to break open the way before you into regions and into nations, into people and into places, into governance and institutions, into the economy as well as the church. You're going to have great favor in the church. There's a unity that rests upon this house and a capacity for gathering other churches in unity. That's just the Lord's gift to you. That's a domain that he's imparted to you. But you're also going to see that now in businesses and beyond the church. And you may already do that, but that's where you're going to begin to operate in that. And the Lord is breaking out before you. And I know you may have come today and you're like, this is all great, uh, but I really need a touch from God. You're going to get that. Don't worry. Come, come even tonight. You'll get that for sure. Uh, I couldn't just describe the menu and not let you eat, right? We're going to have spiritual power. We have to eat. It's no fun eating the menu. It's never any fun eating the menu. You want to eat the meal. So we're going to do that for sure. Uh, but I wanted you to be aware that who you are is not only church unlimited, but church unique. And the Lord is breaking open the way before you. He's going to break down some doors that have been pretty resistant to you. He is breaking in in your life, and that's good, but he wants to do more than that. He wants to do more than that. He wants you to become a solution to someone else's problem. He wants to raise you up to bring life to the city around you. And so my friend, Charlene, is, uh, Charlene is in her 70s now. A number of years ago, she lives in an area that's very expensive, a bit like Auckland. And a number of years ago, she... She was struggling to make ends meet. Her husband and her didn't have enough money, and they couldn't really get, afford food. And uh, her husband eventually got a job, and the first day he got the job, she went to the local supermarket, and she bought as much food as she could to fill her house. She just filled the house with food. And as she was putting the groceries away, she was putting them in the kitchen, she looked out her window, and there was this um, Mexican lady there who was rummaging for food in the bins. And Charlene went out to her and said, hey, what's wrong? Do you not have any food? And the lady said, no. And Charlene immediately took all the food that she had just bought and gave it to the lady. Well, that day became the day that changed Charlene's life. Every day since that day, she's fed the poor from her home. In every day, I don't, uh, well, it's Saturday at home at the minute. But every day, she'll feed 300, 400 people from her home. She now has four homes in the neighborhood. She has, um, at Christmas time, they fill warehouses for 6,000 families with incredible toys. It just changed her life, and her need became somebody else's dream. Her need and her um, situation became the doorway for her vision. And the one who broke in in her circumstance by giving her husband a job then broke through her to bring life to the whole community of Chino Hills around her. I believe God waits to do that with some of you today. So if you're up for God breaking in and breaking out, why don't you stand together? We're going to pray. And uh, If you're not, feel free to sit. <laughs> it's totally fine. It's all good. I'm going to pray for a few moments. One who breaks open the way, breaking up uh, before you. Uh, here's what I'd love for you to do. I know you maybe do it slightly differently here, and I am just a guest in your house. And, uh, but what I'd love for you to do is maybe do what we do at home, which is if you would just wash your hands and then hang them out to dry. Just hang them out in front of you to dry. We're going to pray our best prayer today. Jesus, we love you. You are our desire. Have you not birthed this house? Is it not a dwelling place of your presence? 
Have you not visited it over the years with favor upon favor? Have you not made promises to it for the years ahead that you are its God and there will be none before you and that you will go before this house into the future and mark it with greater favor? And so we come before you, the one in whom all things come together. We're humbled by your presence. And we know that where your presence is, there your power is also. And so we invite your power to come upon us today, to rest upon us today, to fill us today, to break through in our marriages, in our families, in our finances. Holy Spirit, would you break out in great power among us? Would you come suddenly upon us and arrest our days with fresh vision, with fresh hope, with new faith and new power? Holy Spirit, would you take hold of our hearts today? Would you bring life to our bodies today? Would you release your hope and your vision? Would you take hold of the entrepreneurs in the room today? And would you upscale their vision for good in the community, for wealth in the community? We bless your presence. We give you just a little foretaste of what we want to do tonight, and we're going to see the kingdom break out in healing in different ways tonight. The presence of the Lord is so thick among you, and His presence is His power. And the Holy Spirit is here to bring healing. I don't want to take long in this, but I do want to do it for a few moments. That if you come in today with uh, any part of your body where you need healing, maybe just where you are, just pop your hand in your head. Just where you are. I've done this so regularly in my life that I'm now bald. <laughs> just pop your hand in your head. His presence is here where you need healing. Now, Holy Spirit. With your authority, I take authority over every disease, every sickness. I command cancer of the blood to go. I command spinal deformity to come right in Jesus' name. We speak to the cartilage and the knee. We command you to form. We command those ankles and feet to be made strong. We rebuke rheumatoid arthritis. We command you to cease now ophthalmic conditions to be healed, glaucoma to be healed. We command ears to be open, infection and tinnitus to cease. We speak to cancer and we forbid you to progress any further in the name of Jesus. We command you to cease now. We drive you out. We command pain to go. Father, I speak to broken bones and knees and hips and shoulders today. I command the movement to return, paralysis to go and movement to be restored. I command uh, migraines and headaches to lift now in Jesus' name. And then guys, I'm just very briefly where you are, I'm going to ask you only if it's legal, only if it's appropriate for you to try doing something you couldn't do before. There's some things you can't try out in church. There's some things you shouldn't check in church. So only if it's legal, only if it's appropriate, try doing something you couldn't do before. So if, you, if it was your knees that were a problem before, you might want to try them out by doing the London Bobby, you know, evening all, just... Just try them out. If it's your hips, try moving that. Don't wiggle them too much lest you lead someone into temptation. If it's your shoulders, try moving that in some way. If it's your head, rotating it. Might be breathing difficulty. Just 
breathe in, but go ahead and try doing something you couldn't do before. I'm going to hand over to Pastor Tack in a moment. But go ahead and try doing something you couldn't do before. If it's your ears, just check that. And then where there's change, improvement, or healing, as you're trying it out, this change, improvement, or healing. Would you go ahead and just wave at me if you're noticing some change in your condition there? Yeah, just at the back there. Where else? Change, yeah, over here, here, here. Yeah, over there. Elsewhere, just change. Go ahead and just try it out one more time. Yeah, more and more. Uh, just go ahead and try it out one more time. Try doing something you couldn't do before. And again, change, improvement, or healing. Just go ahead and wave at us. Yeah, wonderful. Wonderful. Lord, you're so kind. You're so generous. And so, Father, we pray, raise up this church unlimited and unstoppable and the nation of New Zealand and beyond. And the nation of New Zealand and beyond. In Jesus' name. Pastor Tak, would you come?